Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Trigger warning. The following episode contains descriptions of sexual assault, graphic violence, and adult language. Discretion is advised. I'm Danielle. I'm Max. And each Wednesday, we crack open a bottle of wine and dive into some thrills, chills, and spills. This is Innocent Till Tipsy. It's going to be like a heavy case today, so we definitely need some wine. We definitely need some wine. I have a feeling I know um, we've already finished a bottle before on here. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we'll have to crack open another one. Who knows? But we're looking at Phantom today and you wanted so to like fun yeah. i don't know much about this but i did read <laughs> this yeah. wine has an app it does it's interactive mm-hmm. um it's cool very lengthy trick. yes <laughs> so we're just gonna cut to the chase and open some wine and drink the wine <laughs> that's the way we roll um so do you want to guess what you're tasting do you like to know what you're tasting i feel like it would be a, a darker wine but maybe that's just because of the bottle i'm like reading too much into it's so label. dark yeah <laughs> it's a really dark right it's dark um wild berries and black pepper Whoa. are framed by the influence of oak with baking spices and a hint of toasty vanilla oh toasty I mean, that, vanilla that sounds, that sounds good yeah okay um we call it the phantom a ghostly figure that wanders the bogle cellars at night fleeting glimpses of muddy work boots and blue jeans then gone does the phantom really exist? Yes. Has he inspired us? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. yes. He has. A hundred percent. They have proof. Isn't it like Ryan and Shane from BuzzFeed need to go there because there's their proof of ghost is like. They're here. They are wandering there, 100%. with their blue jeans and their boots. <laughs> and the boggle? What is that? Am I, I stupid? What if it's bogle? Bogle? I don't even know what it is. It says, I don't know. It just says bog, bogle, bogle vineyard. vineyard. Okay. It's cool. Cool. Okay. All right. Let's drink. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm over it. <laughs> oh. I'm glad we've just like kind of quit on trying to open up the wine in front of the, the struggle camera. Struggle is real. Because it's it is very like it's too much of a struggle. As we <laughs> we are not experts. <laughs> That's why I was like, I will pull it pour you a full oh, thank pour you. because it is a little tricky to refill. <laughs> oh man. All right, for those of you listening. <laughs> Cheers, let's see. Cheers. Well, I'm glad I don't taste pepper. Yeah. <laughs> I was a little bit nervous after we're like, oh. It taste does taste pepper. a little folly. Yeah, because like, like vanilla y. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oaky. It's not like my favorite. Do you remember the price point on this one? Um, I feel like everything we selected was between 15 to 30, so I'm going to guess a solid 25. Yeah. Um, no, actually, Phantom was really lower um, price point for us, which is, it's a decent wine for its price point. I feel like it's 15, 16, actually. Oh, really? Because mm-hmm. okay, there's a white, a there's a um, Chardonnay friend yeah. that we got. So we'll try that on another episode. But um, yeah, for 15, 16. No, I just had like a memory. Because um, when we were shopping for the wine, we were like shopping on the label because... <laughs> 
that looks spooky. <laughs> yeah, we like that. <laughs> Basic. Um, but um, I remember being in university and when I would go shopping with my friends, we would check for the highest percentage of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. We will not make it through the children store if we shopped that way. I forgot that was what we used to do. We used to go through all the bottles and be like, Okay, this is the one. <laughs> this is you're like this is the straight. This will get us rubbing alcohol, so we can go to ladies' night and oh not my. spend a dollar. <laughs> well, this is a fourteen point five percent. Oh shoot! So it well, doesn't mess around. It does but... not mess around. No, that's funny. I I um, like it. I, I like it. I like too. it. Ish. We'll see how I feel at the end of the story. It's not my favorite of like what we've tried so far. Um, but I would agree it's with not, that. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, once we get tipsy, points for the app. Will so. it? Yeah, the app is pretty cool. So um, give it a try. It's yeah. pretty like. Intim. Yeah. And I was like, what are we drinking? It's a red blend, right? Maybe. Sorry. Yeah, that's all it says. It just says proprietary red. So oh. guessing red blend. Okay. Well, all right. That's like my vibe anyways. I love red blends. It's my favorite. What's your favorite? Or you just don't? Uh, don't yeah, I don't have a favorite. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, I'm open to trying new wine. Okay. So, yeah, I just thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah. This one we'll see by the end. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think when you and I first met, we talked about what, like, interested us, like, the most about true crime. Like, what got us, mm. like, started, you know, on, like, the journey of being, I don't know, what is it with there's women? Like some and, spot, yeah, <laughs> right. We, like, get uh, obsessed. <laughs> there's, like, there's always some, like, hometown mm-hmm. or some, like, experience, some, like, crossed paths with someone that knows like there's always something that like sparks yeah. it I guess I feel like yeah so. and it becomes like almost like a, a fixture in your life I think there's always that point too where it's like I feel like it's stunning because you sometimes think like okay that can happen anywhere to anyone mm-hmm. maybe even me you know what I mean and that's definitely like this case today that was what started my journey into true crime I would dare say it's like what inspired me to go to university for criminology um, and it's definitely how I got my like following on tiktok um because this was like the thing that went viral which was so shocking to me um but it also like meant a lot because the narrative on this case has been so shifted away from the victim and it's really as if the person that killed this girl as if they are like it's like their defense team wrote the wikipedia page even got it so it's like really it's, slanted it's very slanted so, and i feel like mm-hmm. most of the crimes we talk about i know enough about just to reiterate i know mm-hmm. enough about so i'm excited that we're going to cover this one today yeah um because i feel like i know the wikipedia page yeah so i'm ready to get to the yeah the real story. it's really it's really crazy so and it means like a lot to me to have people talking about it and it's really cool to see more other tiktokers other creators deep diving into the case and seeing exactly what i saw and what bothered me about it well and so um, unique then that you were like not like part of the story, but you yeah. have your own experience of yeah. the story. So I lived 20 minutes away from where this all happened um, growing up as a kid. So um, it definitely sticks out, you know, in my memory. So let's say I like travel back in time. Okay. <laughs> We're going to go back to the 90s, you know, where everything was like, you know, you had to like t- change the channel. There was no like <laughs> fast forwarding, rewinding on your TV, no streaming services, nothing like that. President Clinton was still, you know, in office. We were like vibing back then. It was um, the fall of 1998. So we're like just after Halloween. And um, we're I, I'm getting ready for my seventh birthday, you know, 20 minutes away. <laughs> I knew like after Halloween, I was like, shoot, I've only got like a couple weeks, you know. And now I'm like, now I'm like, shoot, I've only got like a couple weeks. <laughs> um, but this year was totally different. It was so crazy to me, like how much this stuck in my mind because I, you know, I was only six turning seven. Yeah. So super young. Um, but this little girl had gone missing 20 minutes away from me. 
and it was all over everywhere. And she was only a year older than me. She was eight at the time. Right. So, so it feels like it could be, could have happened to yeah. you. Like. And I even had like, anyways, we'll get into that later, but I had like similar situations like happening in my own neighborhood. So it's, it's interesting. It's like, you would just get that feeling. You're like, Oh, like, you know, it could be anyone. Right. Um, but yeah, she gone missing just 20 minutes away from me. And this was just like something that clicked and her photo was everywhere in Jacksonville, Florida, Okay, everywhere. So everyone was, everyone knew she was missing. All of the kids knew she was missing. Like, I remember this being like a big talking point in school and we were so That's young. so scary for little kids yeah. to be concerned about yeah, mm-hmm. missing kids. Yeah. And I remember my mom, like, I remember it almost being a shift of like, she was watching us then, you know? Mm-hmm. So I feel like we were still kind of innocent in the nineties, like not so much as like the eighties and everything. Cause like Adam Walsh had already happened right. and all of that, you know, so you know, like mm-hmm. this could happen, but it's like in your backyard. It's yeah. like too close to home. Yeah. You never think, you never think. So, and it just felt like it lasted forever. And I didn't remember doing it, but when I was talking to my mom about this case recently, she told me that um, we had been one of the families that had gone to help search for this little girl. Yeah, so we'd been in her neighborhood helping search. And we didn't know, like... The, the Clifton family at all. Cause it was Madeline yeah. Ray Clifton that went missing. I'm not sure if I said that um, she was eight years old, but we didn't know the Clifton family at all, but we did know her neighbors. We knew um, the um, it was Josh Phillips as a son and then um, Missy and Steve. And we knew them just um, business sense wise. Cause okay. my dad was a veterinarian in the area. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they would like take their dog Tootsie in. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't know the other one. There's a, there's a beagle named Beauregard that they had, but we didn't, I, I don't know if they <laughs> never changed the vets. Beagle. Maybe okay. they didn't like us. <laughs> <laughs> don't take the beagle. That's there. fine. <laughs> so yeah, no. Um, so it kind of like a weird, like little, co- you know, coincidence kind of thing. But yeah, so, um, Missy and Steve Phillips, they had been married before, right? And they weren't locals to the area. Okay. So they had just moved down probably within the year. Um, and they had a son, Josh Phillips, together. But they both been married before. So they had um, other, you know, I think Steve Phillips had like two or three other boys. Okay. And at first I thought that was like weird. I was like, that's um, kind of strange to like, think that they like moved down without them. But right. then I saw that, like, the boys, there's, like, a definite age gap between Josh and Oh, so they were brothers. already, like, out of the house or something, yes. like, yeah, doing Josh their own thing like, or old enough? Yeah. Yes. Josh was 14, like, young teenager. And then, like, his other so brother's... He's moving. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Another brother's, like, 11, like, years older than them. So that kind of, like, makes more sense. But it seemed like a lot of people reported that Josh was a lot more, like, solitary since the move. Um, he kinda, It's hard on kids. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I especially mean, as a teenager. Like, I remember being 14 and that being, like... That'd be, that would suck to start a new school. Yeah, for 14, sure. Yeah. So he, uh, he was just kind of isolated, um, and didn't really like, you know, hang out that much. Um, but just across the street was the Clifton family. So Sheila and Steve Clifton, and it gets a little confusing because okay. we've got Steve Phillips, which is Josh's father. I need a notebook. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you hey, take out your notepad. <laughs> Investigators. We've got Steve, um, Clifton, which is Maddie's dad. I'm going to try to be like, but like, if you need okay. clarifying, like, let me know. Um, and I'm going to try not to, if I like mess up, cause there's been a couple of times I've like do- looked over and I'm like, I know which father this is. I'm just, oh God, the, ugh, confusing. Um, but anyways, they had, um, they'd been together for like 30 years. So they were like high school sweethearts and everything. Uh, I know really sweet. And they had two daughters together. So they had Jessie who was the eldest and at the time, she was 11 years old, and she was self-proclaimed nerdy, super into gymnastics. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah, super, like, that girl. fun That's girl. Fun. Yeah. And then um, Maddie, who's eight, and she was, like, it was said that she could do anything. Like, she could pick up a baseball bat in one mo- minute, and then, like, the next minute, she was, like, in a tutu, like, dancing like a ballerina. Like, she had Aww. the world at her feet, like, you know, just yeah. super talented kid, super enthusiastic, had just, like, a zest for life, right? 
Um, and at the time of her disappearance, she was going, she was in third grade at San Jose Catholic school. So it kind of just grade. puts in perspective. Yeah. How yeah. young, you know, you, you, she was when she went missing. Um, and I realized this, like looking into this case again, how similar our neighborhoods were as well. I mean, they were only 20 minutes away, but we were, my family was in like a young neighborhood in Jacksonville, Florida. Mm-hmm. So all of our parents were friends with each other. All of the kids were around the Is similar that, like, age. That block party. Like, yes, eight. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Best and we would all like, my family didn't have a pool, but the Patterson's had a pool, you know, so we'd so like at their house, yeah. their pool. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, so it was kind of like a similar, it seems like dynamic over in the Clifton and Phillips like neighborhood, like all the kids hung out together there was like this like silent rule that if an adult was outside they would be you know watching the children yeah so very similar to like my neighborhood it was very like a trusting neighborhood too so I think that's too like why that's like it's so jarring it feels safe yeah yeah because you're like someone's around there's adults around yeah but recently um before Maddie went missing recently there'd been some changes as to who was allowed to hang out with who oh yeah, so apparently Josh, who's 14 at the time, so it kind of makes sense, but apparently Josh had started That's a to, lot older than a third grader. Yeah, it's kind of, like, it's weird, but then if you think that they're hanging out in, like, a group mentality, maybe it's not. Yeah, like, there's kids yeah. in between their age. Yeah, it is said, though, like, online, they, they say a lot, like, oh, like, they, they were friends, and they weren't necessarily. It was more yeah. like the kids all hung out together, Collectively, right? they all are yeah, friends. Yeah, that's the vibe I get sure. from, like, what's actually being said, besides, like, Anyways, <laughs> they were like besties having sleepovers. Mm-hmm. They were like a group of kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, but Josh had recently talked to both Jesse and Maddie about sex, saying that he knew how to get a girl oh. pregnant with a, or not to get a girl pregnant because of a rubber. And he's 14 and that's a third grader. So yeah. I feel like that'd be creep creepy. Yeah. Like, I mean, like in one part of me, I'm like, you know, I understand he probably just like did sex ed you're excited. Like it's a new thing, but it's like, like a don't taboo talk thing to, to your, share. He's yeah. Like, uh, don't talk about it's like trying to shock his friends yeah. <laughs> or talk about it with like boys your age or I don't know. Like it's weird that you would like, you know, and not only that, he'd shown the girls a porno magazine. So of course, like Jesse would say later, she's like, we were good girls. So like immediately we were like, goodbye you know i'm going over they're probably like, like scared i would they're be like, terrified i was raised, away i was super i was raised as like such a strict christian household i know i would have been like i never want to see that again <laughs> that's horrifying <laughs> going home you know so the, um they both went home they told their grandmother at the time their grandmother was like watching them and when the parents got home she was like they just like laid down the law they were like no you're not to yeah. hang out with josh anymore like no thanks. yeah and josh's family made up a similar rule for him so his father steve said those girls are way too young for you right now you know you're you're headed in a yeah. way different direction you gotta grow up sometime so yeah yep. so he said no more you know no more hanging out with them understandably right um and before so they were like no longer allowed to play anymore with him now, before um, Maddie went missing, weird things had also started happening in the Clifton family home. Hmm. So at first, the Clifton parents kind of were thinking that the girls were kind of like, you know, how do you say it? Like misbehaving, I guess. Yeah. Um, so there was like some holes in the walls. I mean, kids do stupid things. They so you're do. like, ah, oh, they're mm-hmm. being, like, are they being just dumb? <laughs> I know. I threw, like, like my decided. eyeliner at the wall one day when I was mad, and it, like, like went all over the wall. Like, why did you do that? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> yeah. So many, and do you remember? I drew that? on the floor once, and my mom was like, why did you do that? I'm like, it wasn't me. She's like, your brother can't write? So. And I, I was like, okay, it was me, and I don't, I don't know why. I wrote my, the name of my crush. 
<laughs> no, so I was like, I can't fess up to this. Did you ever have the um, the invisible like mar- writers? Yeah. Like, yeah. So I'd written on uh, my wall like all sorts of things, but then like years later, in <laughs> 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 names of crushes, I loved Hillary Duff at the time. Like it's all on my wall. It's just like an embarrassment. But yeah. Oh my God, so great. yeah, there was like holes in the walls happening. Um, some staple gun had been used like on the walls in, in Maddie's mattress, like stapling uh-huh. her bedding to her mattress. And um, there were holes in the walls behind um, Jesse's um, Backstreet Boys posters. Yeah. 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 So, like, strange things like that. And it wasn't until Steve Clifton had was outside the home and saw that there was pry marks on a screen. Oh, that's yeah. not. Yeah. That's not just, like, messing around, being, like, silly. That's no. Spooky. He knew. He was like, okay, someone's been in our home. So he yeah. calls the authorities, right? But, like, nothing's missing except for, so the staple gun's missing, and then a photo of Jesse was missing of her doing gymnastics. Oh, that's weird and creepy. It's like it's the girl. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. One so of the girls in the leotard or something. Yeah. But like at the time, so he's talking to the police and at the time, and you have to kind of think it's like the 90s. I don't know. But he didn't he didn't chalk it up to like anything too terrifying because there was nothing of like wasn't like aggressive or yeah. yeah like, and yeah, so he they him and the cop talk about it obviously they made like a documentation of it in case it was you know continued Mm -hmm. happening right um but there was really nothing that could be done and both of them thought this has got to be a kid because it's focused in the girls bedrooms so it's more mischievous than like yeah yeah. so yeah so that's just kind of what they chalked it up to um but let's kind of try to dive into what happened on november 3rd 1998 that's the day that maddie went missing so maddie came home from school around 4 30 p.m she had gone and done, um, I think, her homework, and then she was p- practicing piano um, until her mother, Sheila, returned home from voting in the Florida election. So, oh. yeah, she got home from that, and Maddie, like, of course, I would too, bounds up to her mom and is like, I'm going outside, let me yeah. lie. Yeah. So she was like, okay, do you have all your chores done? Yes, promise. Okay, just go out and be safe. So she goes out, and she's joined by two of the neighborhood boys, Nick and Justin, outside, and she goes to hit golf balls um, at this neighbor's house. His name is Larry Grisham. <laughs> yeah. So I guess they were hitting They're the like, golf. That sounds fun. Yeah. Let's get out the golf ball. Isn't it funny? Like what we used to think was entertaining at the time. Like, like I'm it, like, use a stick. Like, yeah. like, why? And nowadays I wonder how much that's evolved with like technology. Cause would kids still I don't think see any kids like hanging out outside playing <laughs> golf balls. Like just playing outside. Mm-hmm. No. Um, mm-hmm. It's weird. But they were outside of um, Larry's home and Larry was kind of like watching them. He was the like, I guess, adult in charge um, that evening. Now, it is good to note, I'm not sure if the neighbors knew this or not, but Larry Grisham in his past did have two counts of sexual battery. Um, um, they were like 20 years old. Sure. Both the charges were dropped. It's just good to note that he has a criminal background. But, yeah, I don't know if I they were I don't know aware. how, like, yeah, how much you'd let your ki- your kids play with someone that has any type of criminal background, yeah. nonetheless, like, a sexual I mean, assault. He wasn't, like, ba- it wasn't, like, against kids. Yeah, I think he was just, like, monitoring them. But still, it's, like, I don't know if they knew, you know, and, that information. Well, it's, like, kind of pre-internet mm-hmm. time. So, I guess, like, yeah, yeah. you might not know your, all, all about all your neighbors. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just kind of, like, interesting to note. Um, but... Uh, they started to run out of, like, the golf balls. I don't know if they were losing them because they were, like, hitting them into the fence and then they were just, like, disappearing. Um, so Maddie wants to play more. Justin walks Maddie back to her home. She runs inside, asks her mother, do they have any more golf balls that she could use? And Sheila was like, no, Maddie. Like, <laughs> go just, like, emptying sleeps of balls. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, please go find, like, I'm sure if you go back to Larry's house, you're going to find, you know, the golf balls that you were already playing with. Like, yeah. go on. 
and back out. Yeah. Before Maddie left her house, which would be for the final time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She went to her sister, Jesse and Jesse was trying to complete her homework so she could go out and like, you know, play. Um, and she went up to her and she was like, you know, come out, play with me. And Jesse was like, if you leave me alone, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll be out there as soon as possible. Cause she's just trying to get her stuff done. Mm-hmm. And so Maddie, Maddie left and, um, she went back with Justin to Larry's house, but Justin soon got super tired. I think Nick had already left at this point and he was like, look, I, you know, I'm going to go home. Um, and he said like, that will always like stick with him, you know, yeah. but he went, so he went home and then Maddie, the last person to see Maddie was Larry Grisham. And he said she was walking seemingly like towards her house and he thought she was going back for more golf balls. Um, so since Maddie had been outside, Sheila Clifton had taken a walk to kind of decompress from the day. Mm-hmm. She had returned home. She'd made dinner and she called the girls in for dinner. Only Jesse came in, you know, asked Jesse, where's Maddie? Jesse doesn't know. Of course, first instinct is to go to all of the, the houses around that have kids because she's yeah, got to be. You're like, is she here? Yeah, is she's got to be caught up playing with on. someone, right? So, like, they go um, to a couple of doors, but it, within 10 minutes, Sheila Clifton, like, knew, like, something is wrong. Oh. So she went home and she called 911. Literally, like, 10 minutes later, it was, like, at 6.33. And on the 911 audio, you can hear when Steve Clifton comes home, there's, like, a minute where she's like, oh, my God, is Maddie with you? Right. And she's not. And poor Steve, he doesn't even know that he's about to walk into hell. Yeah. Like I can't, I just can't even imagine. Um, and Maddie was indeed missing and she would be missing for a week. And like, I know she just disappeared into thin air, thin air. And it's so crazy to me because me as a kid in Jacksonville, that week seemed to last forever. Oh yeah. In kid time, it probably seems like a lot longer. That's what I was thinking. I was like, Oh, in kid time, you know, like everything goes super slow. (laughs) (laughs) So I I asked my mom about it. I was like, I felt like it was like a month. Like I couldn't believe when I looked it up and I saw it was only a week. And my mom was like, no, that's shocking to me that it was only a week. Yeah. Well, it's a shocking thing. So So then I'm like, well, God, what the, what did the Clifton family feel? Like an eternity. Oh my God. Those 10 minutes probably felt like an eternity. And poor Sheila Clifton, I was listening to like a, um, I think it was one of her statements and, and, you know, she said like even helicopters going above it, it just sets off her PTSD because she looked for Maddie so hard that night. They already, I will say like the Jacksonville police force, we, uh, you know, um, after like looking into a lot of cases (laughs) for true crime and everything, a lot of times the police drop the ball or they focus on like the wrong person or something. The Jacksonville Police Force, they really, like, did a good job at knowing that she hadn't left that neighborhood. And yeah. they zoned in on there, and they had search helicopters, like, everything in that area. And um, Sheila said, like, just those helicopters going over, like, she remembers everything so vividly because of how long she searched for her that night. She even ended up, like, peeing her pants just from, like, the trauma of, like, she's Well, like, when's a good time out. to go in? Exactly. You know, like, like you're I'm never giving up. In. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So I just, like, I couldn't even, like, huh, imagine um, Jacksonville was totally turned upside down that week. Like everyone knew about her missing. The streets were adorned with yellow ribbons. Like everywhere you looked was Maddie's face or one of these yellow ribbons. Um, the reward for any information on Maddie went from 50,000 to a hundred thousand dollars in a week. Yeah. So they were like, desperate. find her. Yep. Yeah. Um, and Larry Grisham was questioned 20 times and his house was searched nine times I mean, by the police. He's the last person to see her. He's got yeah. a criminal background, like fair enough to like start somewhere. And it would make sense that like it should have been, <laughs> you know, the yeah. guy with the criminal background right. that was, you know, an older gentleman that had done this. But it 
it wasn't and it just like is so crazy and like the whole neighborhood was totally searched so like all of the neighboring houses was searched it was just like routine searches i mean besides larry i think they like really went hard on him Um, right and there were cadaver dogs that were searching outside as well but they only searched outside they didn't go into the homes i think that's like just worth mentioning Mm -hmm. um but yeah so they um would find out on november 10th like where maddie had been and she'd been across the street like the whole time and i just like couldn't even imagine yeah so november 10th around 7 30 in the morning um missy phillips was going to do what she felt was impossible which was go clean her son's bedroom so teenage boy yeah like kind of makes yeah, sense like, yeah i'll help mm-hmm. him but his room was like insanely messy and we will get into that like the dog and the bird cages were like full of feces Ugh. I feel like that's like a little bit of neglect too. Cause like yeah. the bird cages were like four inches thick. Ew. Yeah. A theses. Yeah. yeah. And that's like in a kid's bedroom. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I don't know if it's like, it's hard. Cause like, he's like a teenager. So he's entering into adulthood. So, you know, you want to give him like the, the benefit of the doubt that he's like going to clean it up and everything. But like, all he was doing was burning incense and it's just like, come on, dude. I mean, maybe if like, it was like dirty clothes or dishes or something, but those are like yeah. pets in there. That's yeah. awful too. Mm-hmm. So the police had actually mentioned the smell to Missy because they'd gone in, obviously, for these routine checks, right? So they were like, don't know what's going on in there. And I kind of wonder, someone had commented on one of my videos, they were like, maybe they thought about neglect, too. You know, they were like, come on, get your sons. Yeah, know. like, you got to step it up. We see you. Yeah. <laughs> we, <laughs> we got you. We're watching you. <laughs> in that room, we'll be yeah. back. <laughs> so, um, yeah, she decided, like, she was going to go in, and she said upon entering the room, she realized that if it was overwhelming for her, how much would it like be overwhelming yeah, for he's 14 14, he's not going to do it himself. Exactly. Right. So she starts to get busy in cleaning and she notices a wet spot beside his um, water bed. So she's like, oh shit. Yeah. The bed is like, you know, leaking like, fuck, I have to deal with this. So she goes over and she notices that there's electrical tape. So the way Josh, I have to put yeah. talk with my hands. Okay. <laughs> it's the Italian last name. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so Josh had a water bed and he's only 14. So he can't like obviously lift the water bed mattress up, right? Or anything. So there's like a panel box, almost like one of those storage things. You know what I mean? Underneath yeah. To get like bed. under it. Yeah. Yeah. So Missy had noticed that that storage panel, it was like closed off with electrical tape on all of the like, yeah. So oh. weird. So she pulls that apart. And she pushes the panel and she sees something white underneath it. So she's like, oh, what the hell? You know, thinking like laundry yeah. or something, I'm You're sure. Like, God, it's ever this. Yeah. yeah. So she starts to pull. She pulls it a couple of times and then she realizes that it is the socked foot of Maddie Clifton. Oh, my God. Like, could you imagine? No. Like, I just. You wouldn't believe your eyes. No. You wouldn't even, like, be able to grasp that. Yeah. So she knows immediately. And this always feels weird to me. Like, she just knew it was her son. And later it's going to be, like, alleged oh. that her, fa- like, the father was abusive. And I'm, like, I grew up in an abusive, like, father's side home. I'm, like, wouldn't you have thought for a minute that maybe it was your abusive husband? I don't know. You would want to blame the adult first. Yeah. yeah. Like, it definitely, in the end, it definitely was Josh. It definitely right. was. that. I'm not saying that Steve had anything to do with this. Neither well, parent knew about it. Well, it's almost inconceivable that a 14-year-old would commit It's a, weird that time. she would know immediately. She was, was like, her Josh. Yeah. That was, it's just, that's weird to me. But anyway, she, she leaves the room and she goes to call her husband. A lot of people have given her flack for that. But I, like, I would want to warn my husband. You know, our son's about to get arrested for murder. Right. Like, <laughs> This is about the end of the road here. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. So um, Steve wasn't answering, so she kind of knew what she had to do. Like, there's no sense in calling the police because ever since Maddie had been missing, there was always a police officer stationed outside. Mm-hmm. So she just she just went outside when and she like knew. She said when she was like walking across the way, she knew like she she could see the you know Clifton family home. Yeah, and she was just like, I'm taking every bit of hope 
you know, away from this family that they're going to find their daughter. Because only she knows where she, exactly. I mean, her and Josh are now, but like knows where Maddie is. Yeah. And what's crazy too, is in that moment that she's going to the police and she couldn't even find the words to tell the police officer. She just said, you have to come inside. They had to wait for backup because they didn't know what the fuck had been yeah, found in like, that what's house. what's inside? Yeah. <laughs> uh, just like the inviting yeah. us in. So, and then they went in and, you know, and as they were roping off the house with like the caution tape and Josh's bedroom was becoming a fucking crime scene across the street the clifton family was wrapping up with good morning america asking for their daughter to be brought home safely for the last time oh my god that's so awful i know like can you and they're like within like a hundred yards of each other and it's like and they saw it too it was like reported that the clifton saw the yellow tape so like they they must have known yeah you know like i just like i couldn't even imagine so in josh's room they didn't only find the body of maddie clifton they yeah they so they also found yeah (laughs) Uh, so they also found um, a flyer of Maddie, um, her missing on his nightstand, which is weird because wow. he's been sleeping over her that whole week. So he's oh been my God, sleeping yeah. over this corpse of his friend, supposedly, according to Wikipedia and everything yeah. else. Um, and um, she, his, the missing person flyers on his nightstand. And then also like hidden near his bed was that photo that had been stolen from the Clifton house of Jesse. Oh, Clifton. no, it was him. Yeah. He, oh he my was God. the one breaking into their house. That is so horrifying. Like, that in and of itself is enough to tell me that this was, like, totally fucking premeditated. Right, because he's been, like, snooping around there. He's yeah. been, like, like eyeing them, mm-hmm. I guess. Maybe not a stretch. Yeah, like, and, like, it, like Jesse even more so than Maddie. So then that's, like, ew. an additional creep factor of, like, oh, I know, man. it could have been her. Yeah. Like, how horrible. Like, oh. So, um, they also, so police went to go pick up Josh from his high school. Um, picked him up which from is class. insane you're like okay we're gonna go big, get our murder yeah, from the high from school high school yeah so went and grabbed him and they brought him into the station where his father steve sat by him and told him please tell the police everything well good for him yeah like i mean yeah there's no saving this one and like honestly good for the phillips like parents for just being like you know like some parents would try up <laughs> either lawyer up or like try to be like um okay <laughs> you know like we're gonna try to cover this up for you or anything or you know yeah so it's yeah it's kind yeah. of like i don't know kudos to them for being able to be like okay you know Just facing it head on yeah, yeah let's do this um but i it's so weird because the leading narrative in this case has always been that josh accidentally killed his friend and this was all right. an accident he was just trying to hide her body and um his father was abusive and like this is like his you know he was he was just trying to save himself this doesn't make sense for like so many different reasons and we're gonna get into it but it really doesn't make sense because the first account that josh told police is so fucking different than what would end up Mm. becoming the narrative so let's like talk about what josh initially told detective taylor when he went into the police station that day because i feel like that's what's widely reported like this was an accident this is like Mm -hmm. kids uh yeah well like it was an accident when they were playing or whatever Mm -hmm. and this is so sad both kid like both children children yeah yeah it's like it's like ending of two lives right and yeah so he said josh said that maddie had come over and insistently like knocked on his door and wanted to play baseball i already find that weird because maddie wasn't even fucking playing baseball she was playing she was doing golf yeah she was doing golf and they're good girls they were like not supposed to play together right exactly so he says she's insisted she wants to like play and he he knows that he's like breaking his parents rules and he tried to tell her like to go away but she was the one that really wanted to Mm -hmm. so he finally says okay you can like come on in they go to the backyard and they start playing baseball what i find that's really weird is josh has what i would call like a florida backyard (laughs) yeah so (laughs) So you have like a foot by one foot of grass yeah (laughs) around a pool it's a pool (laughs) and then patch 
patches of grass. So I don't know where the fuck they were playing play baseball. baseball. But he says they were playing baseball and they must have been in like such close quarters because he said that he didn't know if he had hit her with the bat or if the ball had hit her. Um, if you connect with someone's skull, you hit them you with know, the bat. Especially with um, the force that he's saying happened because Maddie fell on the floor and she had like a gash oh under God. her eye. So he yeah. fucking whacked her. Yeah. You know, so like, I don't know what hit her, but I feel like he would have known. Do you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, he knows. Yeah. So she fell screaming and crying and he doesn't want to be, he says he doesn't want his father or his mother to find out that he has her in there. Which Isn't is the home alone. Yeah, so they weren't home yet, and I feel like me as a kid, but then again, like, I don't know, speaking from different situations, we all have, like, accidentally hurt our friend, or our friend has accidentally hurt us. Yeah, and you go and get an adult. Yeah. You're like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. And he would probably say, like, well, my parents were abusive. Well, fuck that. Okay, they're not home. They're not even home. across (sighs) the street to Maddie's family. Yeah. They're that home. neighbor guy or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. or Larry. <laughs> God, Larry. go get Larry. <laughs> so, yeah, so they he drags her inside, he says, and he says in the process of dragging her inside his house, um, his, her pants and panties came off. Um, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't. No. I, yeah. So he says that that is what happened there. And he somehow has managed to also bring in the baseball bat with him from outside, which I think would be a struggle when you're dragging in a human body mm-hmm. and you've got a baseball. Like, hang on, let me just grab the murder weapon. Yeah. Um, so he brings her into his bedroom where he says he hit her three times in the head to try to quiet her also if he was trying to quiet her wouldn't your first instinct to be smother uh i have never thought through that <laughs> um, i'm just like I'm um, always, i don't know i was talking to my mom about it and she was like if he was honestly trying to quiet her down and that was like the way he was going with it would i just he know if you've ever like, accidentally hurt someone that's crying and you do, like as a kid you don't want to get in trouble you're like shh, shh. like yeah. let's go you're okay because okay. if you hit them more like, it's gonna I mean, make them cry right louder. so like you're not trying to quiet exactly. them if you're gonna like brutally it doesn't make beat any, them exactly it doesn't make any sense so he after hitting her with the bat he thought she was dead so he pulled the panel, and that's what's interesting to me, too. He me- he immediately knew where he was going to hide her. He's like, this will fit a body. Yeah. Like, I feel like this took totally some helped. premeditation, you know? Like, it's not premeditated to the point of, like, an actual, like, I think if he'd gotten away with it, he might have ended up becoming a serial killer. That's my own speculation. But it's just, like, it's premeditated the fact of, like, where a 14-year-old brain would go. Where can he hide the body? Under his bed. You and know? he's like, yeah, and then what's going to happen? Like, I mean, it's mm. like a 14-year-old premeditation, mm. sure. Mm. So he hit her under his... That is, like, super folly, just by the way. So yeah, I have yeah. vibes. Yeah. So he hit Oh, caramel. Her. I was like, yeah. I, you're supposed to smell wine, right? I was like, yeah. smell it. It smells like caramely. Yeah, it's weird. It, like, I don't or know. Or vanilla-y. Mm-hmm. It's good. But anyway, so he puts her under the um, bed, and he goes to, like, leave, and then he hears her gasping for air. Oh, my God. Yeah. So instead of going and getting help again... For the second time, Josh goes and pulls the panel back and pulls Maddie out, and he takes a knife and stabs her several times in the neck. I think twice in the neck. Oh my god, it's so br- it's so it's hands so on and so brutal. Yeah, like, and you're thinking of like a 14 year old. What you're like a freshman, a yeah. sophomore. Yeah, like they're not adult size like this is a lot of force for a lot a, of force for a 14 year old size person yeah and like when we get into the autopsy too like that it just shows it's like so how brutal. much force yeah so he shoves her again back under his bed thinking that she's dead closes the panel and he walks out and he goes to wash up into the bathroom as he's just washing, like going about his business yeah as he's washing up in the bathroom he hears his father come home and even like yells and greets his father as he walks out of the bathroom he hears maddie again oh my god yeah so she's still alive so he goes back in and instead of getting his father yes i know his father 
probably abusive, but still. He pulls the panel back out again. He pulls Maddie back out again, and he stabs her nine more times in the chest. Oh, my God. And nine times. Like, that's a lot. Nine times, yeah. And so, and then he shoves her back under the bed, um, and he goes and washes up and gets his family's dinner ready, which he was doing before Maddie arrived home. Yeah, was able to set the table, was able to sit in front of both of his parents and eat. Not only that, he was also able to watch porn after after doing all of this, He's just going about it like a normal day. He's having a great time. how was your day at dinner? And And then Sheila Clifton sees him at one point that evening, and she's like, have you seen Maddie? And I'm sure she was just a mess because she would be. You're asking anybody and everybody. Mm -hmm. And and Josh says, oh, no, I haven't, but let me come help, and grabs a fucking flashlight and goes out and help looking for her, even though he knows where her daughter is. Yeah. So that's so wild to me that he, as at 14, he was able to just pick up and act like nothing had changed, able it's to go so to school, cold. able to watch porn jack off in his fucking that's room. Like, that makes me so mad because this that's whole horrifying. accident thing, it's like, it wasn't an accident if you and were sitting there. And then it's kids there. on, kids like accidents against yeah. kids. Yeah. And not only that, he was also playing outside with all these other kids, including Jesse Clifton. Oh my God. He's so, like looking his, her sister in, in, in the face. face. Yeah. Yeah. After what he did. Like, so I just don't like, obviously there is some kind of disconnect from reality going on there. Like, I don't know, but absolutely crazy to me. Um, and what's even crazier is during that week that Maddie was missing, Josh was questioned by police and that was the first time police had come to his house. So police, it was detective Taylor, detective Taylor's like, I'm sure he, mm-hmm. that poor man, he's probably, cause there's like been appeals and all sorts of shit. He's probably so sick of like coming into all of this noise. I just, cause it's such a hor- horrific case, you know? Yeah. But detective Taylor, he goes to the Phillips household on a routine search. Cause that's what they were doing for all of the, you know, Clifton neighbors knocks on the door. Only Josh is home. So he says, okay, um, can you call like your parents, you know? Yeah. Um, they're like, I get let me get, come in. Yeah. Yeah. So gets a hold of, um, Missy Phillips and Missy's like, yeah, come on in. Like, obviously she doesn't know. Like, There's no bodies in my house. Yeah. Come on in. So they, they go Jesus. in, they do their search. And as they're like closing up, they go into Josh's room and Josh is lounging on his bed. Remember that there is a corpse under his bed. So he's just, he's totally chill. He's like just lounging according to detective Taylor. And yeah, Detective Taylor asked him a few questions. I think that's when too, like he saw the state of Josh's room as well. Josh also had incense burning too. So he like definitely was trying to mask the scent is what I'm thinking. Because if a seasoned homicide officer couldn't smell a decomposing corpse under. Right. He knows. Mm -hmm. You would know. Yeah. So that room room must have been bad. Um, So during that questioning time, he asked Josh what he thought had happened to Maddie. And Josh Josh said he didn't want to think about it. Wow. Yeah. So he does, he like knows right from wrong. I'm yeah. sorry. I know we're probably going to get into that, like mm-hmm. sociopath or not, but like he mm-hmm. knows right from wrong. Yeah. He like premeditation, like he hid the body. Yeah. He's like going out to search for her, for mm-hmm. her, pretending everything's normal. It's not like he has like remorse. Yeah. No. Yeah. So yeah. Crazy. Um, yeah. And he even like detective Taylor even made a note of the oppressive smell in the room. That was like the words that he used. And he felt like like the cages had been intentionally left unkept. So that's like crazy. And how soon did he go in an interview? I think him? it was three after days was after. I don't have it written down. Oh my God. So she's been like, under there three days. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was pretty rough. What's crazy is like, so Josh's story has obviously changed since then because it's now like this accident and he hit her. They've now changed it totally to, he hit her with the baseball bat. So that was like for sure. Oh, an her. accident. It was an yeah. accident total accident like whatever and it was all because his father was abusive and like that's like why he did you know what he did but what's interesting to me is the prosecution in his trial 
would um, tell a different story. And that story was very similar to what the medical examiner came up with and also what my mom told me when I was a kid. Yeah, probably like the truth. (laughs) Yeah, so my mom told me, of course, at the time, like we're in the same neighborhood and everything. And I obviously the flyers are getting taken down. We're aware that she's passed. Mm -hmm. I want to know what happened to the girl on the flyers. So I asked my mom, you know, and she, my mom's always been like one of those, she's one of those parents a little bit rough. (laughs) (laughs) She's very much like a true teller. She, we didn't believe in Santa Claus growing Mm -hmm. up, the Easter Bunny, none of that. tell you how it is. Yeah, yeah. If you want to believe in them, that's fine, but they're not real. (laughs) 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 I get it together. Um, But yeah, so mom wanted to tell us as much of the truth of this as she could being age appropriate. Sure. So she told me that, and it was basically with the moral of the story of like, it can be anyone you trust that can do something horrible to you. So please tell me where you are. Tell me mm-hmm. where you're going. I really don't want to lose you. So um, she told me that this little girl had been lured by someone that was supposed to be her friend with a promise of golf balls. Oh, That gives yeah. me chills, like, thinking about it because I'm yeah. like, that, you know. And, um, and he had lured her into his house where he'd killed her and put her under his bed, and that was where Maddie had been found. So just to like be super vigilant and always tell her, you know, what I was doing and that like, it just always sticks with me because I'm like now as an adult, looking back at it, looking at the narrative that's going out now, I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure he probably like lured Lured her her in in. Mm -hmm. with the intention of what either he was going to kill her or he had some sexual, you know, motivation or something went wrong in his plan. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So the medical examiner determined that there were three separate attacks that were on Maddie that day. So it's just like Josh had said. So it said that he, the first time he had struck her three times over the head with such force that she would have died within 30 minutes. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, so this was not an accident. Like, we, ac- I accidentally hit you with my baseball yeah. bat while they were playing baseball. Yeah. Like, that much force. And for a 14-year-old to wield right. that much force, that's wild. The second attack stabbed twice in the neck with a Leatherman knife that was found in his room. And the third attack stabbed nine more times in the chest um, with the same knife. He was trying to kill her all three times. He was. He definitely had that, you know, intention there. And um, it was said that her cause of death was drowning in her own blood. Oh, yeah. And they also said that Maddie must have still been alive the last time he put her under the bed because when they found her, she was still clutching part of the bed. Her heart. She was like fighting. Yeah. yeah. God. So, um, Maddie, as Josh had said, Maddie's pants and her panties had been removed. Her panties were found under her body and the shorts were found just a little bit away under the bed. Um, the subsequent investigation would show that there had been no sexual penetration. Mm-hmm. However, you can't always tell with molestation. You know? Yeah. I mean, this is the guy, that, this is the ki- a guy kid, mm. but was uh, like showing them porn yeah. and then stealing pictures yeah. of them in like, le- or of Jess- Jesse yeah. in leotard. Yeah. And then, takes her panties and her shorts off. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then was, watches porn. Yeah. I mean, and his computer that was in his room, which, okay. But his computer showed that he had been watching porn before and after the murder and maybe during. Yeah. This is like, if this was an adult crime, you'd be like sexually motivated. hundred percent. I mean, if it, but, but I feel like we're trying 14, to we're like, he's yeah, not, he's we're not trying sexual. To make it met, mm-hmm. Like we're trying to understand it when there's really no logical explanation, except that something broke, yeah. you know? And yeah. like, yeah. So something that never is mentioned too in this case that I think should be mentioned was Maddie was found with her shirt pulled up. So at that time, just me, like it's all like of sexually the, motivated. Yeah. Like you can't tell me this was like an accident. Like right. it's so. Ah. So anyways, in the backyard where Josh said they'd been playing um, baseball, there was no sign of struggle and there was no sign of blood either. So 
right. just to note that. Um, so due to the horrific nature of the attacks on Maddie and the callousness of Josh's behavior. Well, and the dog searched the neighborhood, right? Yeah. So, I mean, not to say mm. that they would have found all of that, but if all of that had happened how he said it had happened, exactly, they would find some some sort exactly. of evidence, you would think, outside. And yeah. he's, like, dragging her inside and, like, Definitely. she's bleeding, like, from these blows. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense with what he, you know, is saying at all. Um, but because of how this, like this whole case happened because of his attitude, because of how brutal his crime was. He was going to be charged as an adult in Florida. Um, so, and, but he was, he wasn't going to be charged for the death penalty. It was just life in prison just because of his age, you know, juvenile. Um, and because of how Maddie's disappearance had affected the entire community of Jacksonville, it was literally like a bomb went off. Um, it was decided that Josh's trial was going to be moved to Bartow, Florida, which is four hours away from Jack's. Yeah. It's still close, but close. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I get why you couldn't do it in, in Jacksonville. Yeah. I will say we're about to like talk about a 14 year old having a two day fucking trial. So I'm, oh. yeah, I'm not an advocate for this boy. However, I don't think this was fair. That's really fast for yeah. a murder. Yeah. <laughs> trial. So, yeah. Let's talk about like that trial. Cause I just feel like, you know, I'm not on his side at all. However, like this wasn't fair. And I think in the United States, we are all supposed to have a fair trial. Right. So, because like, let's not do this more than mm-hmm. once. Like, let's just do it right mm-hmm. by the book. So Josh had a lawyer, Richard Nickel, um, who the Phillips family would later say totally swindled them. They paid him $60,000 and he did jack shit. So he'd promise like one thing to the family um, outside of court, then go into the court and just like completely reverse the situation. Um, He did, however, hire a psychiatrist named Tom Bowery. So Bowery determined that Josh didn't have any like typical sociopathic behavior. Like he still loved his parents. So there was still like a way like he loved people, you know. Um, and his animals as well. But he said that Josh was terrified of Steve Phillips. So there definitely was some abuse in that household. Sure. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, look I mean, at Josh's fucking room. Yeah. Like, a little bit of neglect. neglect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would lead to the recurring theme of the, like, Maddie Clifton case where Josh, being afraid of his overly strict, abusive father, would, like, you know, try to get out of trouble by killing Maddie and hiding her. But anyways, the Nichols also hired... I don't think you get out of trouble by by killing killing somebody. I just don't know where that logic, like, came in, you know? It's not even 14-year-old logic. No. Here, I think have some more phantom. I think it's logic of, like, I killed someone, and I don't want to face the consequences, so I'm going to make up a fucking story. That's my personal opinion, but, exactly. So Josh's lawyer, Nichols, had also hired a neurologist who determined that Josh had lesions on his bilateral frontal lobe. Now these legions, le- wow, the legions, legions. The, the legions, the legions of demons. No, these <laughs> lesions can impair judgment, causing panic. Um, so this, this was ruled inadmissible in court. And the prosecution also had the evidence of Josh watching porn before, after, and possibly during, and that was ruled inadmissible as well. And I'm not sure why that why. couldn't get in. Yeah. I get why like the, um, neurologist like report. Cause I mean, yeah, sure. Debatable. Like mm-hmm. what did these le- legions make you do? Yeah. But yeah, like computer data, you watched porn. You yeah. did it. It's yeah. in your room. Right? Like, it's weird. <laughs> so um, uh, the, um, the, that panic, like, theory would be what the defense team would use. Like, in a panic, he, you know, did what he did. And then, like, and it's probably because of the lesions on his brain. You know, he just, like, freaked mm. out and did this in, like, a hurry, right? Excuse me. Um, the prosecution would tell, like, such a different story. They would say, like, it was totally sexually motivated, um, it was a boy that was obsessed with Maddie's older sister, Jessie, um, which makes These a sound lot of a lot sense. more like sensical. Yep. Yeah. And that when he couldn't get to her, he got to Maddie. 
Um, they did agree with the defense's theory of Josh definitely acted out of panic, but they thought it was more like Josh had sexually like molested Maddie yeah. or something like that. When he realized Maddie was going to go tell on him, he freaked the fuck out and did what he did. That was like their theory. And that seems like a darn good theory to me. Um, and he, it's not like premeditated enough that he was like, okay, I'm going to lure her into the woods and like dispose mm. of her. Like he hid her under his bed. Like he had mm. to know that this is going to like. This is gonna like this yeah. can't just she can't stay here forever. But so would he, I, see, that's I wonder about that. You think that far? He's fourteen. Yeah. What do you think that far? But also, like, I don't know what I knew about death at fourteen. I'm trying to think. Like, my first funeral, I think, was nine. I don't, I'm not sure if I knew that things stunk after like, but I don't know. But I mean, he's out there watching porn and everything, so he may know like, a lot more than me. Uh, yeah. I don't know. You don't like put your pets under your bed or any, I mean, yeah. like, this is just like well. Yeah, I could like I, I just think like the panic. Yeah, yeah. I get like because once he killed someone, he he was like, oh, oh shit. shit, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like As panic. All, like, I don't, I'm <laughs> sure. sure every killer kind of has this like you know panic huh, or like a thrill or like whatever if they're a so- serial killer. But yeah, like it's just like, huh. So, um, but it is weird that he knew conveniently where to hide her body. Like it's weird that he knew like immediately like oh under my bed. Like that's that's strange to oh, me. It's so creepy. Yeah, it's and very so and like then I have a hard time sleeping at like nearing thirty. I'm like, how the fuck did this fourteen year old? He just goes to sleep on top of his waterbed. And you know, I was talking to my friend. Sorry, this is such a side tangent, but um, my best friend who was my neighbor um in Jacksonville, I was talking to her and I said, what do you remember about the Maddie Clifton case? You know, because this is like stuck yeah. in the Jacksonville yeah. children head. Totally and you're like eight. Spoiled I mean, our like, innocence. What do you remember? <laughs> this is like yeah. So I was like, what do you remember? And she was Maddie's age. I think mm-hmm. that affected me as well because she was like my closest friend, and we're still close. Um, it's weird now that I've like moved back to Orlando. We've seen each other a couple times. I'm like, it's so weird. Like oh, we used to see each other every day. Like, oh, yeah. Up. yeah. But she said that this gave her an insane fear of something under her bed. Yeah. Just because of like, and I'm like, I don't know how this 14 year old, you know, but anyways, and they also use the evidence, uh, the prosecution used the evidence of all of these previous break-ins into the Clifton household, what Josh had done in the household, you know, to back them, them up. And I mean, well, on the premeditation. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So again, Josh's trial. If it, and like back to like, if he no, were in a, he, even though he was tried as an adult, but if he were an adult and like a grown man's like breaking into a child's bedroom and stealing pictures of the child and like, like you'd be like premeditated. Pre, yeah. hundred <laughs> like, percent. What are we going to debate about this? Yeah. But no, so creepy. No. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, so it only lasted two days. And it's also, it's also mostly because, um, Richard Nichols, his lawyer was just a piece of shit because he didn't even call like any witnesses to the stand. And I don't know of any like other fucking trial where you wouldn't like call some witnesses to try to help your defense case. Yeah. It's really strange. So that's why the, it was such a short amount of time. The jury took only two hours to deliberate. Josh was convicted of first degree murder. He was sentenced to life in prison with no possibility of parole saved only from the death penalty because of his age. So he was like, they were like, okay, moving mm, it on. Mm, oh my. Yeah. And, um, the, it, what was crazy to me was the judge, um, judge Arnold, I, like you could just from his statement of what he said during Josh's like, tr- like sentencing, it just like really hit me wrong because I feel like as a judge, you're not supposed to have like emotions ruling your decision do you know you're what i mean you're supposed to be impartial mm-hmm. that's why you're a judge yeah so i did find like what he said really kind of fucked up because he said i do not perceive you to be a child your monstrous act in causing the death of maddie clifton made you an adult i am certain that on judgment day like you can just tell it's like florida like god like the bible was really heavy here but <laughs> 
I'm certain that on Judgment Day, you, Joshua Earl Phillips, will be given a far harsher sentence than I can impose. And then he quoted the Bible from Luke 17. It would be better if a millstone were hung around your neck and that you were thrown into the sea than to cause harm to a child. I feel it. That's a lot to bring in as a judge, for sure. Yeah, like, I want to say that to him. But I'm like, should You're you not as the judge? a judge sure. yeah, have, like, you know, like, I don't know. I just feel like it wasn't a fair I feel like trial. that's a good way for someone to go back and be like, hey, I had a mistrial. I mean, yeah, like, this is just, like, 100%. one of those, like, hey, it was really fast. They debated two hours. And, by the way, the judge said this. Like, yeah. I feel like that's. Does no, he I, go back to trial? I agree. Because, like, I just or does feel... does he fight this? I, I feel like, yeah, he's definitely guilty. I feel like, yes, he should spend his entire life in prison. I never want him out, personally. I mm-hmm. feel personally victimized just as a child in Jacksonville. Like, you know, so I feel like, yes, this is the right decision. However, they went about it, like, the totally wrong way. And yeah. he should get a fair trial. You know, right. it just it feels weird. Um, even though I personally believe I don't know how the accident theory could make any sense when you're going to be able to cook dinner, you're able to like go out bald face lie to this mother who's probably hysterical, you know, when she sees play you with her, do- her, play with her daughter, her other daughter. Yeah. Um, and then, and go to school as if nothing happened. Also watch porn in your freaking room while this, like, it doesn't make any sense to me, but anyway, so it's like such a huh, side tangent. Um, but almost 20 years after the murder of, jo- of Maddie. He wasn't panicking at dinner. He wasn't panicking when exactly. he was outside playing with Jesse. Exactly. It's, he wasn't panicking when he was sleeping over her. Right. Or, it seems like he didn't even like miss a night of sleep. He was fine. Right. I wonder what he thought like when they, they came into his like, like, did he know? Was he like, oh, okay. Like when they came into his classroom to into, arrest him. He's like, it's me. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, oh, you're looking for me. <laughs> yeah, um, that'd be me. But just, fuck? I can't even imagine them interviewing him while he's like sitting on his bed. I know. And that, like, Detective Taylor said, like, it was totally, he was acting, like, totally, like, chill. Like, I remember I took an eraser from a kid in second grade, and I was like, okay, I have to be careful, like, opening, like, I just can't imagine yeah. hiding something yeah. that's that extreme and being that brazen to just be like, oh, I'm just going to interview me right here, like, yeah. hiding in plain sight. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. So, um, yeah. Before we get into, like, what ends up, like, happening, we need to, like, go into, like, what happened after, like, the figurative bomb hit Jacksonville and, like, see, like, what happened with the Cliftons, with the Phillips. So, Clifton family, they actually remained in, like, their family home. Amazing. I don't think I could do that. Um, So, super strong people. Yeah. Um, But their family started to thin out, which really sucks because... Sheila and Steve, as I said before, they've been together for 30 years. They're like sweet high school sweethearts. High school you said? sweethearts, yeah. yeah. And they ended up getting a divorce kind of over this. Um, I all, mean, it's pretty traumatic for your yeah. family. So, And like they both, uh, according to Jesse, they both like coped in different ways too. So like Steve kind of wanted to like kind of move forward, you know, focusing mostly on Jesse, where Sheila just, you know, wanted to hold on to Maddie, which you can't. You can't blame her for it. Yeah. And then also she had to keep looking at the house across the street. So she moved out. Um, they didn't move too far from each other, though, because she wanted to obviously be, you know, close to Jesse mm-hmm. and not make it that difficult, right? Um, and uh, Steve stayed in the house up until just recently. He moved out a few years ago. And ha- Jesse has been in the process of buying the family home from them. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. To keep it in the family. Yeah. She said, like, that's Maddie's home. So that's her home. And I just like, oh, my heart. Yeah. So, yeah, crazy. But um, just to speak on, like, Jessie and how amazing she is, obviously there's another set of, like, victims in this whole situation. It's Missy and Steve. Um, I feel like we often forget that when it comes to, like, murders and stuff, that, like, the murderer's family, they didn't know what the fuck. Right. They're not responsible for the Yeah. Like, in a actions. way, I guess in a way the Phillips family, like, kind of is. I mean, the, the neglect parents, and the abuse. Yeah. They're like, responsible for that. Mm-hmm. But then you wonder, like, how much did Steve abuse Missy, too? You know? So that's like... 
Yeah. I don't know. It's hard because we don't really know what was going on in that household, right? But um, Jesse started to notice that Missy didn't really want to leave her home. I mean, why... Why would you, right? Oh my God, like you'd feel like the town pariah because yeah. you'd be like, that's his mom. Yeah, I mean, exactly. How would, could she go grocery shopping around? Exactly. About? So that's what Jesse started to kind of help her. So when she would notice her bringing her groceries in, Jesse would come out and help Missy bring her groceries in. And I feel like that's, that's like such a standard for the neighborhood because if you see, yeah. you know, the, the victim like coming and helping, you know, and then she would go get um, Missy's mail and stuff and they exchanged like cards and stuff together, oh. which is like, yeah. Yeah, if really Jesse amazing. can befriend her, then you all, the yeah. community can like support her. And too. what's really crazy is in two thousand C Phillips um was killed in a car accident. He was literally like thrown from oh, his no. vehicle. He wasn't wearing a seatbelt. Um but he was killed like on impact. And what's really crazy is um Sheila Clifton actually came and like she gave her condolences. Oh wow. Yeah to yeah. see. So that it's just I, I just think they're like such a strong, strong family. Um but after all of this with me, let's go back to me <laughs> a little bit lighter. So I had like, I had moved from Jacksonville up to Canada. Right. And, um, I, I'd gone to university. I think I was like in, yeah, I was in criminology school at that point in time. And I, well, criminology school, I, I went to university for criminology journalism and I came home for a visit to see my mom and I was sitting on our couch, just vibing, flipping through channels. And all of a sudden I see fucking Josh Phillips on oh my God. TV. <laughs> I was like, what the oh. hell? So I called my mom into the living room. And of course it was at that time you, we couldn't pause. It wasn't a streaming service. You're like, mom, 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 mom. Yeah. <laughs> mom, you have to come in here. <laughs> so she came in and we just sat, I think it was the episode of killer kids, but I'm not hundred percent sure. Yeah. We I sat, like, I, I feel like I've seen this because mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm imagining the reenactment, like where you just see like a guy with a baseball bat. I really can't. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, this has definitely been covered. Yeah. So I, um, I, we were sitting there and we were watching almost in horror because the entire narrative of the case had changed. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So it, all of a sudden it no longer was like he was luring her or anything like that. It was, this was an accident. And, um, my son, cause Missy was on it. My son, Josh, he really needs to be released from prison. Was he going for an appeal? Mm-hmm. Was this like during appeals time? Mm-hmm. This is like the they PR like campaign whole, for appeal. Exactly. They <laughs> wanted a whole new trial. And that's why I, I beg mm-hmm. people, like even especially on my TikTok, like obviously I'm biased. Obviously I'm biased. The whole fucking episode I've been biased. Um, but like everybody has their bias. Like please go like look at Do other Do your own stuff. research. Yeah. Because sure. there's always like another side of the story. Documentaries are always pushing it, you know, so please like go look. But yeah, so it was just crazy to me. Like we like sat there like with our mouths open, sometimes screaming at the television because we were like, that's not what the no. fuck happened. Yeah. <laughs> like, I understand he's your only son and like, huh? But also like, no, no. And if he's like super sorry about this then like, he seems he's doing fine in prison. I think he'll, you know, he's bettering himself there. Let him better himself he's, there. He's, he's all right. Great. Yeah. So it was just like, and then that was the day too. I realized that if you Google Maddie Clifton's name, Josh Phillips pops up. It's his face. Oh, it's his Wikipedia page. It's everything. It's his narrative that spewed all over it. And I just like was totally dumbfounded by like this whole thing. Um, and uh, yeah, and it's, it's been crazy to me to kind of like take revisit it and see that like how different the narratives are and how like even obviously Wikipedia isn't that trusted of a source, but normally I find you can get a good summary, you know, from it. Sure, and not it's even, crowdsourced. Yeah, and not even that. So just so crazy to me. And what was wild to me was that Missy Phillips was sitting there like advocating for her son to have like not just a fair trial to be released from prison. I can understand wanting to advocate for him to have a fair trial. Everyone should have a fair trial. hundred percent. And Josh didn't receive one. So I would agree with her on that. However, she wanted him free. And what was crazy was she said that in an interview that she had begged Josh, begged Josh to tell her what had really happened the night of November um, 3rd or 8th. I think it was 8th. 
um, but the night that Maddie went missing. Okay, and so she had. knew right away the moment she found the body that she was like, this was it my was son. Josh. This was Josh. Yeah. And she knows that she doesn't know the truth. Mm-hmm. And then that to me, like her knowing immediately that it was Josh that killed Maddie, it speaks to like there must have been behavioral issues. There must have, you, you know. You don't think you're like choir boy of a son or something mm. is like going to be the one that did it so yeah, i know what he was she was found in his room but like i don't know like i just it's crazy i would think aliens put her there if i if i like if i had a son yeah and i was like he's the best son ever and no none of these like yeah there was red flags then if yeah. she was like oh shit it was him yeah so it's just it's crazy to me that she knew immediately it was him and now she's like saying like josh i found maddie in her home i think i deserve to know what happened and he won't discuss it with me like he just shuts down and she's learned to just step back and say that I may never know. And I'm like, well, you don't even you don't even know what happened. None of us know what happened, but you don't even know what happened. And you're sitting here advocating for him to get out of jail. Yeah. But, okay. And then um, what's wild to me is they want out. But and while Josh has like gone out, he's been a model prisoner. He's completed his GED and he's assisting other prisoners with his with their own appeals. He has not received any mental health except for what has been required from him in court. Oh, man. And we're like, hey, put him on the streets. Put him on the streets. Yeah. He was 14 years old. He murdered someone brutally and then like ignored it like a sociopath. Sorry. Like, but seriously, like just like straight up ignored it for a week. But not actually, because that would actually be like an excusable reason if he was a diagnosed sociopath. Yeah. Um, So so he hasn't had help and we're like, put him out. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? And I'm also like, why wouldn't you seek help? And he even said in one of his interviews, he's like, maybe I should see someone about that. I was like maybe Dude, like come on man like seriously oh my. so um yeah anyways let's fast forward <laughs> it's 2012 <sighs> um the supreme court makes a ruling that is still going through there's like a ton of juvenile children that are having well they're now mostly adults but people that have been processed in the system as juveniles that were tried as adults that have been found guilty and placed on, you know, life sentences without the possibility of parole. They're all coming under review because of um, this like movement in the Supreme court that says that it's unconstitutional, which to me makes sense for a child to be sentenced to life in prison without parole. Now it doesn't mean that they'll be able to get out of that sentence. It just means that if they're all under review, review. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. so you can still be convicted of your, your, you know, like reconvicted or like whatever. So Anyways, it's 2017. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The word. (laughs) Yeah. So it's 2017, almost 20 years later. Josh is 33 years old and he finally is going to see like a fair trial. So Judge Wendell Wallace um, took a fresh look at the case of Maddie Clifton. And honestly, like you can watch like a lot of it on like YouTube and Facebook. Um, I'll try to like put some links maybe in the description of like where to watch it is. It's quite fascinating, especially Mm -hmm. when detective Taylor starts talking about things because he, you know, was there Yeah, and he was the one questioning Josh so many times. And it's just like really wild to me. Um, so I encourage like everyone to like look at that because I honestly think if you look at that, but then you look at Josh's narrative, you're just like, okay, so the actual evidence doesn't match any of this, but anyways, So Judge Wendell Wallace, he was, like, afforded something that Judge Arnold wasn't, which was the time and the space away from, like, the murder, you know, for all of us to kind of, clarity, heal, not be so emotional. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it seemed like Wallace, like, really actually cared. Um, I know a lot of judges, sometimes you sit back and you're like, you're like, man, you just stamped it and moved. Like, yeah. yeah. So you can tell he's, like, really looked through it. And he did, like, a lot of discussion on, like, why he made this ruling, what had come of it. And he said that he had tried to look at every aspect of this case to see if the sentence could be lightened. But in the end, he found that the case was not like any of the other teens he had resided over like before. 
he said that, um, you know, it's, it wasn't like a kid that found his father's gun, you know, right. and like accidentally killed his friend mm-hmm. or even teenagers that go and go into like a fucking bank or whatever. They're trying to rob like a, like dumb a grocery store. Yeah. And then yeah. they accidentally or even purposefully ki- like shoot, but they don't think that like, they don't understand the permanence of their actions. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. So um, he said that it wasn't like that. This was a crime of rare and unusual circumstance. And he upheld Josh's life sentence saying that all he had seen was deliberateness and like, yeah, mm-hmm. callousness. So he said the facts demonstrate the brutality of the murder of Maddie Clifton. Her death was not accidental. It was intended. Her death was not quick or painless. It was long and agonizing. These facts also highlight the disturbing aspects of the defendant's behavior. One, the callousness and ruthlessness he, deter- he demonstrated in the murder itself. Two, the calm, cool, collected manner in which he carried on with life, even helping in the search. And three, the fact that he slept on top of her body for six days. All of these actions indicate to the court the existence of something far more than mere immaturity, impetuosity, and the inability to assess consequences. So I feel like that's a fair review. That's like a fair summary of the whole fucking thing, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. 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 And even like Josh's brother had said in an interview. If it comes back, the, the life sentence continues. I, I respect that judge. I think that judge was a very calm uh, knowledgeable person great just a wonderful judge so that's the decision he makes and that must be what god wants josh's brother daniel also said like he's had mixed feelings of course over his brother over the years but that's heinous (laughs) yeah it's really rough so like he said even like you know since he's had his own kids his own little girls when they would reach eight you know like how huh yeah because you just have a totally different perspective i mean Mm -hmm. you can't yeah yeah so put yourself in those shoes and especially like yeah when it's your brother or Yeah, really rough. So um, Josh is going to be up for review in, um, I believe, 2023. But it's like a standard review. It's a standard review. It's like normal process. It's a 25-year review. So he's been in jail for like that quarter. So they do the standard review. But like, I just keep an eye on it because I really... (laughs) You never know. It's an opportunity. Yeah. So this past June, Maddie would have turned 30. Isn't that wild? wild. That's how much of her life she missed. Yeah. Like, like, you think like she could have been married at this point? You know, like so much. She missed like family events, you know, stuff that's happening with her sister, like everything. Her sister, Jessie, even said she just sometimes like goes to the graveyard and just like sits and talks to her because no one else understands like what the hell is going on. You know, it's just so rough. And then her mother, Sheila, I think said it like best um, in her victim statement. The defendant through this brutal murder of Maddie robbed her of her chances to go to school, to fall in love, to get married have children my grandchildren of i often wonder what her life would have been like the defendant now wants a second chance to live a normal life who does maddie get to appeal her death sentence to and i would like to think that josh phillips has truly changed he keeps saying that he has and that was something judge wendell wallace said was he was like it seems like you're bettering yourself and he said i i don't want you to think this like sentence is like the end he said this isn't the end of your life i hope you continue to better yourself and and do good things in prison but like unfortunately it has to be from prison like for our safety you know for what you did yeah like everything there's consequences a hundred percent sure so um yeah and it's like it's such a yeah so hopefully the Clifton family can receive some like kind of healing. Hopefully I just feel like in 2023, like when everything gets brought up again, I'm sure that's like, 
just rips it back open there will be a spotlight on it yeah yeah and jesse even said like even going to this uh, this appeal you know with window wallace like she didn't realize that she was like the focus she was she was a kid you know so she didn't realize that yeah she just Mm -hmm. saw through her kid eyes yeah so really rough but yeah i really hope um oh my god and horrifying to know that he was like maybe gunning for her. her Yeah, yeah. And then, like, kind of scary. They were also arguing, like, you know, maybe if he did get out, maybe. But I don't know about at this point, you know, if he would. But that was, like, what the defense was kind of arguing. And that's still, it's still scary, you know? I mean, he hasn't received mental help, right? I mean, not not to say that he would go after Jesse or something. But, like, he's just, he's okay behind bars. Yeah. I think until he receives, like, the mental health that he desperately needs and until he actually tells the truth about what he did, I think he's, like, so good. He does. Yeah, they deserve the truth. Yeah, for sure. So that's like what I've got on this very sad and awful like situation. And I just like, I know it's hard because there's like nothing that was like redeeming, you know, about this case. But I think it's definitely something that's so important to talk about just because of how the narrative has shifted in the past, like. What, set the record straight yeah I mean, give like everyone a fresh perspective a fresh yeah. update like you said even google you go and you just see what the yeah what's out there yeah like i wonder like, like, how much are you, you paying your defense team because i feel like it's, <laughs> it's got to be a good price they're doing good on wikipedia yeah <laughs> i mean he had a really shitty one his first trial but I, he upgraded it looks like, <laughs> like holy shit but yeah no really sucks so yeah what do you think about like the wine that we tried for this episode I had a second glass. Yeah. I feel I, it's okay. Yeah, it's not the best. I don't think like uh, it wasn't yeah. the best we've tried, but it wasn't like the it's worst. Not the worst wine I've ever no, had. No, <laughs> and for like twenty five dollars, it was like still. Oh, I don't beer. think it's twenty five. I think it's like fifteen. Oh, okay, okay. No, so really so I good. mean like yeah, yeah. with the fifteen dollar like bar, it's really good. Hint to it. So like yeah, I think I like that. Yeah, no, that's really good. Um, but yeah, we are here every Wednesday telling you a true crime case that I care about. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to follow us or give us a like if you like this video, please feel free to. Please keep an eye on 2023 and what the hell happens with that because I'm nervous. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. But yeah, till then, this has been our innocent until tipsy. Yes. Oh, cheers. Ahura Media Production. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.